This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. And welcome to Sightlines, your guide to the visual arts in and around Dunedin. I'm Sally McMillan and this show is brought to you on behalf of the Dunedin Public Art Gallery Society. Today I'll be talking to a couple of past presidents of the Otago Arts Society about the illustrious history of their organisation and its exciting schedule of activities and events in the present day. But first, here's DPAG Society President Ross Curry with the latest on the Dunedin arts scene. This is Snapshot. Ross, what's on at DPAG at the moment? Well, Sally, at the Dunedin Public Art Gallery, there are three new shows which continue through August. Cora Allen's exhibition, Encountering Aotearoa, reflects on the legacy of mapping and recording by early colonial explorers. On Saturday, August the 12th, there's a conversation between Cora and Isaac Teawa, the curator Maturangi Māori at Te Papa. This will be followed by an interactive painting experience led by Cora. Taloe Havini, the 2023 Creative New Zealand International Visiting Artist, will show artwork based on research into her family archives relating to the Bougainville peace process. And Don't Miss Sweet 2023, showcasing the work of local artists, which I talked about in the last episode. And what's on at the Gallery for Younger Art Lovers, Ross? Well, the, the Gallery does have things for the younger art lovers. The gallery is catering for the next generation of gallery goers. There's a free tour for tots and babies on August the 9th at 10.15. And their lookout loud game continues where the whole family can use their imagination and make stories based on artwork from the collection. I'd like to see them starting young. And what about the Hocken? Well, from August the 12th, the Hocken has a show called Fortune. And the centrepiece of the show is an extraordinary yum cha feast, which has been knitted, believe it or not, by Bev Moon in memory of her Chinese ancestry. Alongside paintings by Bev, there'll also be work from the Hocken, as well as national and local collections. That's going to be an amazing exhibition to That's see. That's right. What's happening in the dealer galleries? Well, Gallery De Novo has its winter group show, and there's a wide range of work on offer. Anne and Gemma Baldock have interesting narrative or social observation paintings. There's a good selection of landscape paintings too, including works by Angela Burns, Hamish Allen, Robert Ireland and Sarah Langdon. And Ewan McDougall with his quirky colourful paintings is also part of the mix. The PC Art Gallery in Port Chalmers from August the 4th to the 22nd has another group show called Behind Closed Doors. This features a number of artists including Linda Cullen, Tessa Watson, Angela Burns and John Cox. Another group show at FE29 offers much variety. In Regeneration, a winter collection, there are three new artists to the gallery. Jim Wheeler with his bronze sculptures, Bill Hayes with his ceramics and Katie Blundell with her mixed media works, showing until August the 13th. And in keeping with our theme today, what's the Otago Art Society up to, Ross? After the successful 147th Otago Art Society show at the railway station comes another blockbuster with the Edinburgh Awards scheduled to open on August the 5th until September the 2nd. This year the award is open nationwide to two dimensional one-off original artworks. 
No digitally enhanced works or photographic images are accepted, but monoprints are welcome. Now, Ross, you were involved, I think, in the 147th Annual Otago Art Society show as a judge. What was that experience like? Well, interesting, actually. There were nearly 300 pieces and six awards. Um, The awards had categories but no criteria, so it was really solely the single judge who had to make the decision. And to an extent, I looked at the kind of criteria that I would use to buy my own art in my own house, and that figured in in my my choice of award winners. We're looking forward to the Edinburgh this year. Thanks, Ross. And now it's time for our feature item. This month on Sightlines, the Dunedin Public Art Gallery Society is talking to an old and much-valued friend. The Otago Art Society was founded in 1876 by prominent Dunedin citizens in order to promote the exaltation of sentiment and the refinement of the mind, to quote Bishop Neville's remarks in opening the Society's 1879 exhibition. Chief among the founders was William Matthew Hodgkins. Having been responsible for the photographic display at the New Zealand Exhibition in 1865, which attracted some 625,000 visitors when the population of Dunedin at that time was only 40,000, Hodgkin's burning desire to bring Dunedin out of the cultural backwaters saw him go on to organise a fine arts exhibition in 1869, attracting 5,000 attendees. The idea that the city of Dunedin could foster the arts and establish its own cadre of artists had taken hold. In a public lecture in 1880, A History of Landscape Art in New Zealand and Its Study, Hodgkins applauded the work of the Otago Art Society, saying, Each year for the last four years we have had an exhibition of paintings in oil and watercolour. Of a necessity, the works exhibited are comparatively slight in execution, but already there are signs of improvement, and in a few years we hope to be able to compare favourably with our older neighbours. There is, each year, in conjunction with the Art Society, an art union of pictures, not, as some people suppose, promoted for the purpose of selling our own amateur productions, but to afford an outlet for the pictures of many of our New Zealand professional artists, some of which pictures are of a very high order of merit. The Otago Art Society is still going strong after 147 years and today we welcome to the studio two past presidents, Jenny Longstaff and Doug Hart, to talk about the Otago Art Society and the pivotal role that it plays and has always played in Otago's art community. Doug and Jenny, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much. Now, Doug, you're a font of knowledge on the history of the Art Society. What more can you tell us about those first few years? Well, it's very true what you said, but William Matthew Hodgkins was the driving force behind Dunedin's art scene and also establishing an art collective in New Zealand. His first meeting in 1875 was attended by six people and uh, together they formed the Otago Society of Artists. And several meetings later, decided on an annual sub that it would actually admit women to the society. Shock horror. And it's very important because later on, his daughters, Isabel and Frances, had flourishing careers in art. And the the, uh, society itself would rent rooms and importantly hold an annual exhibition of members' work. And that continues today with the 147th annual exhibition this year. 
Well, shortly after that, they changed the name to the Otago Art Society and they had 19 members. So William Matthew Hodgkins himself was the instigator, but I think that John Irvine, who was a professional artist, was in fact the first president and James McAndrew, the superintendent of Otago, was the patron. But what do we know about the first members? Were they all artists? Well, the very first members were a collection of people who were interested in arts, who supported the arts, but also some were artists as well. And as the society grew, they actually increased the membership and increased the people who supported the society, and which still continues today with uh, sponsorship and so on. Now, uh, the very first president, John Irving, was actually a portrait specialist, and he was from the Royal Society, the Royal Scottish Academy, so he had an infinite knowledge of the arts. The the money in subs was actually one guinea to support the society, and if you were a a lesser person, you paid ten shillings to be an artist in the society, and and that gave you a place to actually put your artwork in. So what do we know about how one became a member of the society? Ah, you had to be shoulder tapped for that. Oh, yes. Yes, (laughs) you had to be nominated. And uh, it was almost like a very snobbish type society in in the beginning, I would think. So quite Um, prestigious to be a member. Absolutely, very prestigious to be a member. And still is, actually, I might add. The earliest artists, you've got W. Allen Bollard, you've got uh, A.H. O'Keefe, and then came along Francis Hodgkins, Shona McFarlane, Audrey Baskand, and of course Elizabeth Kelly. Just a name, just a few. And you mentioned that in the, that the society held annual exhibitions. Doug, can you tell us more about those in the early years? Yes, the actual uh, early exhibitions were held in uh, Moray Place, and, and also some exhibitions were held in the uh, municipal chambers as well. It provided a marketplace for members to to uh, display their work, um, and some members actually came from Australia. Some artists who exhibited in the very first exhibitions. I think there was a steamer, wasn't there, that went from Dunedin to Melbourne that was still operating a weekly service after the 1860s gold rush. That's absolutely correct, yes. In 1876, actually, there were about 37 members, actual members, but that was supplemented by the Australian artists who came on the steamer. Right. Jenny, what do we know about the first exhibitors? The first exhibition apparently comprised 148 works, And the printed catalogue shows that there were 15 paintings lent by local owners, eight eight were by English and Scottish artists, and the others were described as colonial or native artists, 32 works of those, 27 were men and five were by women. Multiple works were entered by several artists and some notable names were Nicholas Chevalier, W.M. Hodgkins, J.C. Hoyt, George O'Brien, I see John Gully on the catalogue as well. Some very prominent people there. Interestingly too though, in the um, facsimile of the exhibition, some reviews are mentioned and they're vicious. Some of them are quite (laughs) pointed about some of the artists. For instance, J.C. Hoyt was critiqued for his inability to draw trees properly. Oh dear. Well, our political correctness of today obviously wasn't prevalent at that time. So we've talked about the exhibitions and we'll talk a wee bit more about that shortly, but what are the membership criteria now? Well, Anyone can join, actually. We pride ourselves these days on the absolutely egalitarian nature of the Art Society. Yes, it's prestigious to belong to it because of its illustrious background and ongoing future. But five years ago, we changed the criteria a bit. We used to have two separate memberships. You could be an artist member or a non-artist member. 
but then in the interests of inclusivity, anyone can join now and anyone's able to um, exhibit and put their work forward for sale in our shop, our retail outlet. Right. Doug, coming back to you, we've heard from Jenny that it's become more inclusive, which is a great thing. Do we have some examples of people whose work perhaps was not regarded as acceptable in the early days? I can tell you for one, and that is very, very interesting, and that was Mr Colin McCann. Now, Mr Colin McCann was a member, and he put some work in to the 1939 exhibition. However, when it was hung, a committee of uh, enlightened artists looked at the painting and said, we can't have that, that's not very good at all. I'll I'll have it. (laughs) And removed it. And then the uh, younger artists of the society left in protest. Wow. Then, of course, it was then rehung. So uh, that was one person that I can quote who who, uh, had this real problem with the Otagawa Society. I think over the years, the, the Art Society has not only been prominent in terms of the role that it's played for Dunedin artists, but also has had some very prominent premises. And uh, looking at the information available to us, quite peripatetic, I think, in the early years. Jenny, can you tell us something about that? Yes, well, it certainly moved around different premises. Uh, Initially, they had uh, the exhibition hall in Moray Place. That's where the first exhibition was held. Then it moved to rooms in the Otago Museum, followed by rooms in the municipal chambers. And obviously to get the support from the, the civic fathers, the city leaders, would show that the, um, the importance that the burgeoning cultural life of the city was, was having. After the South Seas exhibition, the Art Society fundraised and they bought two prefab sheds that were left over from the South Seas exhibition. And they were owned in conjunction with the newly created Dunedin Public Art Gallery Society. They were relocated to a site next to the museum, but those sheds obviously proved unsatisfactory for the storage and exhibition of art, so money was then raised to build a new gallery, and that's sited where Toy 2 is now, and that was 1907, I believe. The Art Society in Dunedin Public Art Gallery Society, they amalgamated in 1922, and it was in 1927 that Sir Percy and Lady Sargud funded the building of the Logan Park Gallery, which many listeners will remember. Yes. Uh, and that was cited as a re- memorial to their son who um, was killed at Gallipoli. Uh, and this was formally opened by the Duke of York in 1927. Grand occasion. Then in 1930, controversy, hmm, there was a break that saw the Art Society and the Dunedin Public Art Gallery Society split at a meeting where the treasurer, Mr John McIndoe, and people will remember the McIndoe name from the family publishing and printing company, McIndoe supported the decision saying that there were too many critics and not enough practising artists. Oh, some things never change. Those <laughs> damn critics. <laughs> sure. um, and then during the Depression, World War II, uh, the Art Society did not have its own rooms. And it wasn't until 1968, and it took advocacy by Shona McFarlane to get the historic Dunedin North Post Office building. Uh, she spearheaded a campaign to save that building, and it was converted to the Art Society's permanent exhibition space. And it wasn't until 2007 that we got the opportunity to move into our present rooms at the Dunedin Railway Station. And of course a lot of our members will remember uh, Shona McFarlane who was a a very prominent uh, member and president of the Otago Art Society but also had the Moray Gallery for a long time and uh, was very well loved in the Otago Art community. 
So from those premises, Jenny, you and a handful of others are responsible for managing the society's busy schedule. Can you tell us what your annual calendar looks like? Well, we have a, a council, a, a committee. Some people, some people think when we use the word council that we're talking about the Dunedin City Council, but it's the Otago Art Society Council that's responsible for the programming of activities. And there's several exhibitions that are held annually, and we do rely on nice relations with various business Dunedin businesses to sponsor these exhibitions. For instance, the summer exhibition currently is sponsored by Smeaton's Accountant, uh, and that's held at the beginning of the year. Uh, our annual exhibition is held in winter. This year it's our 147th exhibition, where we usually hang about 150-plus works. Really, our, what we do hang is limited only by our wall space and the size of the works at the Artists' Centre. Currently, we've just finished hanging the Edinburgh Premier Art Awards, uh, the opening. Well, we've got two two corporate nights, and then we've got the actual awards nights happening on the 4th of August. Uh, we'll be open to the public from the Saturday, the 5th of August, continuing through to the 2nd. That's a big plug for the, the current exhibition. Get down there, folks. <laughs> <laughs> and this year, we've managed to hang 174 entries. They were selected out of a overwhelming 300-plus submissions. Um, and for this exhibition, only paintings and one-off two-dimensional artworks are allowed. We do pride ourselves as, as an art society to encourage creative expression in any media, but some sponsors put their own um, parameters on their exhibitions. Later in the year, for spring, looking forward to the Ryman Healthcare Spring Exhibition. Uh, that's usually a themed exhibition, so our artists at the moment are working towards the theme, I Remember When. Later in the year, over the Christmas break, we've got the Love by Take, which is our affordable art show. And then, in addition, we've got two major biennial shows, the Cleveland National Art Awards, which is a mega show that takes all sorts of um, media in different, three different categories. Uh, and the Hope and Sons is a, a regular biennial award, too. We've had a very long-standing relationship with that company. Right. Um, <laughs> and I think you have other public events. You've got Featured Artist Weeks. You have a Demo Day. What Tell us about Demo Day. This is a really good opportunity for the public to actually engage with artists. We put the word out amongst our artist members and whoever feels brave enough to put themselves on display while they do their work and answer questions from the public. But we usually attract about 20 artists who set up their own work, a bit of a display of their own work, but they're also working on something as they're there. So the public come along, bring their kids, it's a bit of a family event. And it tends to demystify work. Like people come to an exhibition that see a finished work on the wall and they don't know how it happens. They don't know much about the media, they don't know about colour mixing, but when they're actually engaged there having the conversation with the artists, they get so much more of an insight into the actual art process. Fantastic, and I think you've also got um, or have had a program called Detail Detective for, for Kids. Well, Detail Detective is just a fun activity, really, and it's to engage the public to keep them lingering a bit longer in the exhibition and actually observe. It's a, it's a bit of a treasure hunt, really. A couple of our members can put together a little activity sheet with little details from various paintings, and the kids get this sheet, and they go around and um, look at clues on the paintings and fill out the sheet. Very cool. In 2023, Doug, there's going to be the Book of Otago, which sounds very intriguing. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's a link up between the uh, Otago University, Professor Simone Marshall. She uh, is uh, actually uh, putting together a book in similar style of the Book of Kells, the Lindisfarne Gospels, to tell the modern story of Otago. So she's invited a lot of people from 
ex-alumni of Otago University, um, hopefully schools and also organisations to contribute a page to this book. Uh, and then it will all be put together and it will become the Book of Otago. And will that be on display, Doug? That will be on display and we're running a, uh, an exhibition uh, parallel to that called about books. So oh. the Otago Art Society is having this double-barreled. Oh, many people's two great loves, books and art. What What's not to love about that? The Otago Art Society is, as we've said earlier, a major spoke in the wheel of art in the Otago community. Does the society also engage, Jenny, with other art-focused organisations? Uh, yeah, for instance, we have a, a regular exhibition by, by Art Centre. Um, I think you've got a close relationship got, with yeah, the School the, of the Art as definitely well. Definitely trying to encourage that. Over the years, we have had um, judges of our exhibition from the School of Art. We've got a, um, a student membership fee, keeping that low, $25, so can, they can join the Art Society. Another initiative that we've um, instigated, um, we've go to their annual site show uh, and chosen an excellent young artist to, to have a, an exhibition space. This year we're going to have Emma Wells, she's a jeweller, she'll be showing her work later in the year. It's important to us to try and build networks within the other cultural focuses of Indonesia, like Toy2 and the DPAG. We've had meetings at Toy2, Peter Reed, the curator there, has given a couple of really informative presentations about historic works. Um, at one stage, Cam McCracken from DPAG, he judged one of our exhibitions. We try and also link in with um, festivals that are held in Dunedin. For instance, the Fringe Festival is an absolutely major fun festival for us to be involved in. We get very good um, public input with that too. We encourage the public to come to activity days and make things. Some of the themes that we've we've had that have had a very good response, we had an exhibition called Meow, which was all cat-themed. <laughs> then we had an exhibition called Pink, which it was just a, a wash with pink. Uh, the Rainbow Connection was the theme for this year, but also we use that as a bit of a focus for trying to um, raise some funds for cat rescue for instance when the meow exhibition was on uh, rainbow connection we we helped there so we really try and play our part in the community um, a very important part of that community so i think the society is funded by membership subs i think you make a commission on sales of works at exhibitions and in your shop uh, there are donations and bequests so if there are listeners out there who are thinking about what they're going to do with their hard-earned cash when the time comes please feel free to chuck some of it the Otago Arts Society's Absolutely. way. <laughs> Can anybody come up to the society rooms and see what's on? We're open seven days a week depending on volunteer help but we certainly try to keep the doors open um, from 10 till 4 every day Christmas is about the only time we shut down and that compulsory half Good Friday but yes please do come upstairs the railway station itself is an absolute iconic building so come and see that and then come and see us as well. And of course you've got the Edinburgh Awards underway which are open between the 5th of August and the 2nd of September as Jenny said this year with 174 entries selected. Now finally both of you are also practicing artists. Doug I think you're a watercolourist and you work in pen and ink and Jenny you work in acrylic and mixed media. Do you have a dealer, both of you? Yes, I um, have a dealer with uh, Moray Gallery, and John Timmons is such a great person to have as a dealer. Very knowledgeable. And Jenny, what about you? Coincidentally, I've actually got an exhibition starting at the Moray Gallery on the 5th of August. That'll be running through to the 25th of August. But actually, the Art Society sucks up a whole lot of energy. I, I know I made a commitment, and Doug probably also, 
to put an entry in each exhibition and you can see from what we've already said that we've got an ongoing program of exhibitions. So there's always work to be done at the Art Society but also tried to encourage wider connections with, um, for instance, took a whole lot of our artists' work up to the Arrowtown Museum and Art Gallery one year. Another year down at Oaka we took work down there to display Art Society work to... You know, it's the Otago Art Society, not just the Dunedin Art Society. Well, we encourage listeners to keep a special lookout for your work, Doug and Jenny. And we thank you for giving up your time to be here today and to tell us more about the Otago Art Society and what it does. And we encourage listeners to not only get along to the Otago Art Society and check out what's on offer, but also to think about joining the society. You don't have to be a practising artist, just someone with a passion for art and a willingness to contribute. And thanks to you, our listeners. Join us again next month for another dive into the visual arts in Dunedin. If you'd like to hear today's show again or listen to previous shows, you can find us on the Otago Access Radio and DPAC Society websites. Thanks to contributor Ross Curry and producer Jonathan Quayoff. I'm Sally McMillan and you've been listening to Sightlines. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.